What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. Y'all heard of the band May? You may know them from such albums as Destination Beautiful and The Everglow. Well, they've got a new album out, and they're going to be playing a big show in Dallas with everybody in the world's favorite band, Emory. And that's coming up February 16th, Saturday night at the door in Deep Ellum in Dallas, Texas, and the tickets are only $20 for that. Matt McDonald's the Classic Crime Acoustic set is going to be there, and also this whole show is sponsored by the Labeled Podcast, and Empty Isles, a new Tooth & Nail band is going to be there too, so it's a Labeled Sponsored Tooth & Nail slash Bad Christian Showcase, May, Emory, Classic Crime Acoustic, and Empty Isles, $20. You know, everybody's in driving distance to Dallas. You just might have to leave a day or two early to get there. But I expect to see everybody there. If you're not already going to be there at the Bad Christian Conference, which will be going on at the same time, there's still tickets available for that. We'd love to see you there if you can still make it. And everybody that, of course, is going to the conference gets into the concert that night for free. So go to emorymusic.com for those tickets to the concert or Bad Christian Con if you're more interested in the conference, the whole conference itself. Let's get to today's show. It's a good one with Andy Minio. Today's show is sponsored by Pro Flowers. Valentine's Day is right around the corners. Get a dozen roses with a free glass vase for $24.99 plus free shipping and handling by visiting proflowers.com. Click on the microphone in the upper right corner and enter our code BADCHRISTIAN. That's proflowers.com. Promo code Bad Christian. Also, Sherry's Berries. Get your Valentine's some delicious dipped strawberries from Sherry's Berries. Just head over to berries.com, click on the microphone in the upper right hand corner, and enter our code Bad Christian. And of course, Legacy Box. There's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories. Visit legacybox.com slash bad Christian and get 40% off your first order. All right, let's go. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. Give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my flesh. I showed my dad dad's my penis when I was 25 years old. You don't get more honest than that. Three, two, one. Joey Spencer. <laughs> it's the Bad Christian Podcast. It's the best podcast on the earth. Telling you all about Jesus and giving you more self-worth. Bad Christian Podcast. Okay, wow. We got Andy Minio coming up in a little bit. Yes, that we be do. Good. But what we... Can I, can I just get a little spiritual on y'all today? Can uh, I start with a little something spiritual? I was spiritual? hoping not to. It's an answer to prayer. Answer to prayer. So I went to McDonald's this morning and... Uh, I wanted to get a biscuit and a coffee, and I went inside. Mm. And I, Matt, uh, I don't know if you if you like it when people use the screen thing now instead of the peop, the actual uh, employee well, that works behind the it's counter. It's not quite. It's not quite there. But yeah, it's it a little hard see, to I use. Mean, it's not quite there, the but it's. O- I mean, it's obvious, and th- I mean, it's a toss up on the person you get the counter. It can be right so bad that it's not even funny. I mean, most of the sensation that I have is just let me come around behind the counter right. and learn your system. And do it from your side. That's usually I want them to just move out of the way. You know, I know I know the burger yeah. patties, for instance, that I get are on a la carte lunch two in their system. Yeah, I had to tell them that when they can't <laughs> find it. I already asked the manager. I was like, "Where? How do I tell?" Because I tell the people that I want two burger pa- patties and not the bun and all that, and they look at me like I'm crazy. But they clearly can do it. So I asked the manager. 
at, at, at there and Wendy's. Like, what is it? How does an employee do it in your system? And then they told me. And so now I can tell the employees how to like go to the second page, lunch two, a la carte, <laughs> burger. So. Well, if you look at the thing at McDonald's, their, their uh, cash register, it actually just says something like Big Mac or Big Combo. Or right. Big Mac. You know, right. I mean, it's really simple. When you throw in, I don't want bread, they go, yeah, their mind explodes <laughs> it's, into yeah, a thousand yeah. pieces. Anyway. So I'm there, and y'all know, I mean, I've been kind of bummed out and stuff. Uh, You know, just our bus has been having trouble over the last few weeks, and i just been thinking, you know, life is hard. I'm getting older. I'm trying to, you know, worried about, you know, I'll be 65. Will I, you know, be alive? Will I have an income? Maybe I'm going through a midlife crisis. I don't know. But anyway, I was just feeling pretty bad myself when I went into McDonald's. And there's a, maybe, I can't tell, maybe she was Reva's age or older. I don't know. But there was a young lady working behind the counter, and i just stand there, and I'd go to the screen. She says, hey, welcome to a McDonald's or whatever. And then, uh, and I'm just like, man, I guess I'll get a biscuit or something. I'll probably just going to get fatter. And I'm just, I'm just really down <laughs> on myself. And then I see this lady and uh, her two kids are there. I, I just saw these two kids and they come up and she hugs them and kisses them. And they're like, you know, changing the, the cartoon on her phone. They're just watching the phone or whatever. And I realized, I was like, oh, this lady, I mean, she's a, maybe a single mom. And her kids have to be here today. I think they were out of school or something that day. And, uh, you know, she probably couldn't afford childcare, couldn't, you know, or, uh, you know, it's really expensive. So she just brings them to McDonald's with her because that's all she can do because she's trying to make a living. And I don't know mm-hmm. where the dad is or whatever. Maybe there was another guy there that might have been a, the dad, but I'm not totally sure. Anyway, so I just, uh, I happened to have, I, I saw that and I got my food and I'm, I'm getting ready to leave. And I was like, man, my life isn't that bad. You know, I'm I'm sitting here complaining about things. It's almost like first world problems. And this lady's, you know, having to bring her kids to McDonald's where she works at. And I remembered I had a hundred dollar crisp bill in my wallet. And I was okay. like, okay. I was like, you know what? This, I know it sounds funny. I was thinking this might be a God thing. Like I'm supposed to give this lady, I'm supposed uh-huh. to bless her and just give her this money. And, you know, and I was like, how will I do it? You know, I don't want to just hand over a hundred dollar bill and then make a big scene. I'd rather supposed to it, make a big announcement. Like if I had a, if I had an envelope or something, I was like, do I have an envelope in the car or something? I could, yeah, I don't want to make a big scene. Anyway, I'm thinking about all this and I started going, well, you know, it, it will be kind of hard. And then I was like, you know, I don't, I don't totally know this lady. And if that guy, <laughs> I started thinking that guy over there, if that actually is the dad, he looks like he probably sells drugs or he's, he looks really shady. He, he, you know, he's, he's a, he, you know, the kids are really cute, but I was like, that, I don't know. And I just left. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I don't know if God was talking to me or not, but I talked myself out of giving that lady money. Cause I started going, well, you know what? My, my kids, I know them and we need money. I mean, times are tight. They really are. <laughs> and I, I know the Lord would bless me and we have money put aside for ties and for things like that. And uh, I even told Jess about it, and I was like, "Yeah, but I talked myself out." She said, "Why'd you do that?" When I got, she said, you, she, Jess was like, "You should have given them the money." And I think she was right because I don't necessarily care what they do with the money, but I literally felt something like a ting or a bing in my soul and my heart, and I was like, "I need to do this and help this lady." Cause my, and then I just talked myself into know my life's bad. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> keep the hundred dollars. So I don't. I, I mean, I just couldn't. And I could, I, I just, I, for a moment, I felt a little guilty. Like maybe that was God. Maybe God himself was like, hey, this is your opportunity to help somebody. But I just totally talked, the, the rational side of me was, you don't know this person. You just saw them. It's all about you. you oh, poor her. And you want to give her money. So, you know, rich white dude feels better. Don't do that. Don't, uh, you know, it doesn't even matter. You're going to give her a hundred dollars and it doesn't even matter. And who knows what they'll spend it on. And will it go to the kids or anything? So I just left and I just got the hell out of there. And I just, I mean, <laughs> part of me. I thought I would feel more shame or guilt, but I don't even like I, I, I really even looking back, I was like, I just don't know him. 
I, I'd rather give a hundred dollars almost to a person I know in a way, and I, but I don't know if that's right. But I, I don't. Do y'all, do y'all feel like do y'all get those feelings where you're like, oh man, I got to help this person right now? I know Joey used to give it like homeless people or give them rides and stuff like that, and we gave him shit for it. But I just I don't know. Like in that moment, it would have helped her. It would have the hundred dollars, no matter what, would have made her day really good, right? If somebody walks up and gives you a hundred dollars. Whoever you are, you're gonna be you're gonna be having a good day unless yeah. you're a billionaire. But yeah, so. but I never understand the argument about they might use it for something bad because that, I know to, to, I, I disbelieve in that so much because if it's a gift, if it's a thing, then right. you, you can't attaching strings to it. It's just wrong. Like it's just wrong. It just has to be wrong. And if if they, what would be the strings? Like you could have this money, but you can't buy soda with it either because it's bad for. I mean, what are we doing? Like that, you know, it just that, that they that, might use that it for drugs. So good or what theory. if they use that hundred right. for the rent, but then they use a different hundred for some nope. drugs late? I mean, but that matter? sounds so moral and good in theory. But I'm telling you, it feels really stupid when you give money to somebody and you find out they just blew it. Because I, I would like to blow it then. If it, if it doesn't matter, if it's just going to be blown. Well, I'd like to blow it. I could bring my family a lot of joy. I could bring. Yeah, I could pay just, my rent. Kinda invalidates the the gift part of it, though. If you hold I, the strings, I know. I know you're right in theory, but in practice, it just doesn't feel that way. When somebody blows money that you away that you just give them, it feels kind of dumb. You feel like, well, why why didn't I give it to a person that actually really did need it then? Because they didn't need it. That's. I mean, there is something to be said for that. Like, what if they just didn't need the money? I totally misread this. They stopped by to get a burger and were going back to their mansion or something. Like, I don't know. But I'm so just saying, anybody that buys drugs also doesn't need money? I don't know. Well, how about this? Money ain't going to help them. So the only reason I'm giving money is to help them or I'm giving it to encourage that I'm a good person. I'm saying if I really wanted to help them, then it would be a real investment. I'd go, hey, listen, are you a single mom? Uh, how, mm-hmm. What's this like? Okay, let me actually invest in you. I'm just doing something real small that is either just about me trying to make myself feel good or, yeah, uh, you know, sure. just it isn't doing anything anyway. So that's what I'm saying. Like, if it well, actually is what, really going to help what, somebody, okay. But what how are, many people do you just want to have a great day today that you don't really know? Okay, you don't care. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so. but helping them would just make them feel super happy. You can't change their life with $100 anyway. So the fact that you right. make them feel like somebody else cares about me and now I have $100 more, what they spend it on is neither here nor there. That's what yeah. I'm saying. You would have changed their day and life by giving them the 100 regardless of what, what they bought. Or she would have gone and thought I was some creepy guy. Oh, what do you want? Oh, what do I got to do for this hundred dollars, asshole? Get the <laughs> yeah, fuck but... out of here, son of a bitch. <laughs> Toby, what are what are the chances that you think the that it was a very traditional standard Toby quench the Holy Spirit scenario? Like what deep down inside do you really think the Holy Spirit dropped that in your heart and you worked your way out of it? Hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Are you being, I don't you're not know. being serious. I mean, it, okay, I, I'm being serious. I don't know. I know we always talk about God and our our emotions and, and how science is and, and all these things. But I'm just saying, I feel like I had some chemical response to, in that moment, I saw, oh, wait a minute, my life isn't as bad as I think it is, and this person's potentially is harder than mine, and so maybe I could just give them something, you know? But uh, I don't know. I can't say for sure it was the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm saying. Part of me felt like, oh, this is just Toby. And uh, he's feeling bad about his life, and so this will make Toby feel better. This isn't even about this person. So she would yeah, have the benefit no, of it, but no it was way more about really me, I think. That. I don't know. Yeah. There's no I mean, way to get to the bottom of it, really, in, 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 in any case. But you did the – how much the part thing. of you thinks you did the right thing in the end? 
None. I don't. <laughs> I, I should have given that money. I should have given I mean, it. I've, I just, I've even. I, I'll, can I say this? I've even thought. You know, when I'm in town or back up that way, I'll probably just stop back by with an envelope and just give it to if her. If I see him again, yeah, I'll that's I, like maybe I can stop back by and see. And maybe I can have never a small... went to that McDonald's again. He now yeah. started choosing the one on the other side of town for some mysterious reason. Danny, why don't we go <laughs> to our favorite McDonald's? Shut up! Uh, you know, I think they're closed. Actually, that one. Yeah, yeah that one. I don't know. It's not too good. I don't like the people who work there. <laughs> okay, um, let me tell you guys about something else I want to tell y'all about real quick. Okay, everybody. Valentine's Day is upon us. So let me tell you about using pro flowers to demonstrate your significant other, husband, wife, loved one prowess. You can do it. You can be a pro too. And pro flowers is just a very, very simple thing that you can do that everybody's going to like. You're going to feel good about doing it. The person that gets the flowers is going to be glad to get them. And uh, it'll be good. Sports the podcast and all that. So my favorite thing about it is wide selection. My wife, for instance, does not like roses, but a lot of people do. But there's so many other things there. They've got great stuff. They're freshly cut and carefully packaged, and they have express delivery. So that just means that the flowers will arrive in perfect condition. They haven't been sitting around. And they make it really easy to order. And they last a long time. That's another thing. They have a seven-day freshness guarantee. So you And they, go, they last longer than that. We keep them longer than that when we have them. So this Valentine's Day, you got to let the pros at Pro Flowers handle the details and you know send your Valentine something you know they'll love. Now, here's your part. You have to write a note, and you have to think of something original and productive and encouraging and real to say. That's your part. You don't know anything about flowers, how to grow them or pick them or anything like that. You write the note, let somebody else handle the flowers. And like I said, Valentine's Day is right around the corner. And if you hurry, you can get a dozen red roses with a free glass vase for $24.99 plus shipping and handling. Visit proflowers.com. Click the microphone in the upper right-hand corner and enter the promo code BADCHRISTIAN to choose the perfect roses at the perfect price. That's proflowers.com. Click the microphone and enter the code BADCHRISTIAN. Order today. All right, so I'm I'm in another one of my uh, most impactful books I've ever read in my life, Seasons. Is that um, every book you read? When yep. you're in the third that's chapter? Not the, that's not the Bible. <laughs> Any book that Joey ever reads is yeah. not the Bible. He is blown away. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is uh this this is pretty neat. In the last three months, I've read three books that have just been blowing me away. One is Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. The other one was The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And now Brian McLaren's this the great spiritual migration, which I think, by the way, when we had him on here, that was the book that was coming out. But anyway, I thought about you, Matt. I'm still somewhat early on uh, in this book, but he does a really good job of basically explaining the health, the current health of science and how they look at data and reevaluate and change their theories and yeah. retest them and all that stuff. Well, <clears throat> check. I, I just love how he, how he puts this, check this out. He says, Protestants broke with this tradition and created a new one. Uh, they dared claim that any Christian man was free to use the Bible as a higher authority than the magisterium. Uh, the results among Protestants were predictable. New denominations proliferated, each claiming that it alone had established the one biblical system of beliefs. Most denominations tended to write down their beliefs in doctrinal statements, often including uh, copious references to the inerrant or infallible Bible as proof. We might call this the Protestant method. 
the more Catholics and Protestants argued about their differing methods of determining correct beliefs, the more they reinforced the deeper agreement that beliefs were the point. And I'll wrap it up here. Today, Mm -hmm. both the Catholic and Protestant methods face a real problem. Claims to infallibility and inerrancy in today's world are a liability, not an asset. The more you double down on infallibility or inerrancy, the smaller the corner you paint yourself into. If you want to earn people's distrust today, there are few things more guaranteed to work uh, than to claim what I'm about to tell you is absolutely true because an inerrant authority says so. That kind of logic makes our beliefs seem unbelievable because thoughtful people today trust corrigibility, which means capable of being corrected, and transparency, which means openness about decision-making processes for more than claims of inerrancy or infallibility. But, I, I, I mean, with my deconstruction, reconstruction, whatever the hell kind of construction you want to call it, I really... Do think just that call it is remodeling the, at this point? Yeah, that that is the crux of the conversation. It's how it's how do you read the Bible? And like I'm at a place now to where someone, I mean, I think when someone says the Bible's inerrant or infallible, they have a weaker argument. But at the very least, someone who says it's not inerrant has just as strong as an argument, if not stronger than the person who says that it is. But that's that's where the rubber meets the road completely, is that right there. But it's just so interesting because the people, I mean, any other any other thing, the, the very people that look at the Bible and say, no, it's true, God settles it, uh, God said it, that settles it, I believe it, or whatever, they wouldn't do that with any other thing. Like, it's only their religious beliefs that they will not back down on. They dig their heels in the sand. They will not entertain any sort of correction or anything. And uh, it makes sense because that's what they were taught to do, though. That's what they were. I think they also dig dig their heels in on politics, though. Like, it's it's interesting. Like, I think those same people that say those things are pretty confident about politics and uh, social issues, I but they're underpinned by biblical inerrancy. Basically, right. the the thing I notice is if you get in, if you if you say something that's more honestly, and this sound, I just can't. It, it's always going to sound condescending, so I, I just embrace that. But when somebody's doing something that's simple or immature of a view, and that's typically what it is, it's not left or right. It's deep and or shallow and immature versus nuanced. So I think of it as childish, but when somebody is in a very binary state and you try to make a more nuanced point of view, uh, especially when it comes to the Bible or something, they'll always go, oh, so you don't believe in absolute truth, do you? Like they think that there's this one little thing where you're going to go, oh, no, of course not. I don't believe anything. Right. Like like they, 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 there's this one out for them. They say, and they say, but me personally, I believe that there are absolute truths. So clearly, if you don't agree with me on everything, then we don't have to argue. You just go ahead and tell me that you don't believe you can know anything to be true. And you're one of those people that believes everything's up for grabs no matter what forever, which is also very immature. You you know, like, so there's obviously something in the middle, but they, and I remember thinking that way too, of thinking, yes, but we have to have this to stand on. But what if you don't? And right. then the only way that they have to have a way to explain it. And then they had to say, oh, that's a person that has no binding to truth. And they admittedly, they don't care what's true because they're postmodern or whatever. But that, that's that's such a reduction of, of the idea of the things that can be more complicated. I mean, than he, that. yeah. And here's here's what's so crazy. And I and I love the Bible and I'm looking forward to 
approaching it again through different lenses. But the Bible even sets you up to do this kind of stuff, though. Like in in Corinthians, you know, Paul is basically saying the scholar will be will be mocked. I mean, he the the smart people that think they have credible. At least this is how we were taught to read these passages. Hey, you're smart and you have something to say against the Bible. Yeah, you may it may seem that you're right scientifically, but you will be proven wrong, which encourages all the saints to have that same sort of mentality. Oh, well, it conflicts with the Bible must be wrong where they were never taught to think, wait, it conflicts with my interpretation of the Bible. Uh, It's wrong. But I mean, Christians were basically trained not to back down even when it seems like faith is all but you they have. always but they always do so they still all go with science once we prove heliocentrism is right yeah <laughs> minus the flat earthers or whatever but you know galileo gets put in a cage and and they told him he has to you know re, you know he's under house arrest and he has to say publicly that that's not true even though he believes it and stuff like that until every, and then everybody's quiet for a period of time and then oh it's okay we moved on like you, they never go back and admit or apologize right. or say that's what this was this time. They they don't even go. Oh well, we had that one wrong. We were totally against science in that way, but this time we're really right. Or this, you know, maybe we're wrong this time. Like that time, they don't ever do that. It's yeah. just keep it quiet. Don't, and then eventually just go along with the modern science, which we always do. That yeah. always happens. It always happens. So you can say well, the scientists say they know this, but they don't because this didn't happen. But over time, if you pay attention, it's always, and I'm talking about Christians, all believe hundreds and hundreds of things now that in any previous time hundreds of years ago would have been all heresies. And they all believe it now. Right. And they will also, with things like climate or whatever other stuff, They once it's been out of the news and it's not quite a hot button topic and it can go away, and the next generation comes up, they'll just all believe the obvious science on everything. That's all we ever do. uh, It really does just end up holding you back, too, though. For, For example, think about how long mental health was just described in spiritual terms? You're possessed by a demon, or you're ba- you know something's going on spiritually, as opposed to how long it took to, for people to go, wait a minute, I might actually have a uh, a brain issue right. or a chemical issue in my body. You know, it was always just just something like that. I think Christians would be way better off if they said, sure, I believe in absolute truth today. There's absolute truth that exists today. Tomorrow, I don't know though, because. Uh, that I feel like that is the better answer. Today, this is the way I feel strongly about this. But I, and maybe I am a uh, you know some postmodern idiot or something like that. But I feel like when you say something so strongly, this truth that it almost immediately s- s- does send off it's a signal weakness. signal signals yeah. of wait a minute, this is it, it's an insecure position, right. and I can't totally trust it. Just because you, you're, you're saying it so strongly. Talk, they're constantly saying what they don't know. Right? I, don't, I don't know. Like right. You get a scientist, that's their favorite thing to do is be in an interview and somebody asks them something that's not narrowly in their field. And, they, and it's kind of funny if you think about it because anybody smart actually does this. They love to say what they don't know about something adjacent to their field because it even more so sounds like because they really know about their field. Right. So it's almost like <laughs> a, a pretty slick you know, move of communication. But nonetheless, 
scientists are very quick to tell you what they do not know. And there's this real unfortunate situation that's just mathematically obvious about science versus Bible for how you get your answers. And uh, it has to do with explanations. Bible's at a huge disadvantage in two reasons. First of all, explanations are actually a bigger concept than science itself. Science is a way to get at explanations. This is the way I look at it. And, and rationality. Um, to actually find out how something works. That's what the kind of detail we need for everybody to adopt it and believe it and utilize it and go further is a deep and fitting explanation. And the Bible gives may give information or things that are true, but it, it's not super good on explanation. So they're not as useful as science. And the other problem is science changes admittedly and on purpose and improves every day. I think everybody almost agrees with that. Science at least refines itself and gets better every single day. The Bible is a divine revolution, revelation from authority that is ancient and can never improve itself. There can be no improving it. All we can do is try to decode it and fight with who can decode it uh, better than the other guy. Which and all we see is that go around and around in circles. Well, we've been trying to decode it to get the, the actual answers that are really there for 2,000 years. We're not about there. We're not making much progress. But listen that's how crazy the, that's this what I'm is. Saying. So science meanwhile continues to make progress. Listen how crazy this is, though. God has to know how much of a mess we're making with trying to get the Bible figured out, and yet He sends the vast majority of people to hell. It's crazy. But I, I, I will say that <laughs> this guy's approach to the gospel message is just so like if if it's true then it is unbelievable how we've been reading the Bible and even the things that Jesus is saying. But I think regardless, you guys will find this interesting. So he says that the gospel has nothing to do with beliefs. He he said in the gospels, Jesus did not say, believe I'm the Messiah, believe that I am God. Everything was come follow me, do what I'm doing, do what I'm doing. I see what the Father's doing, I'm doing, you come do what I do. So Brian McLaren is basically saying we are to spread. I mean, this is some hippie frou-frou that I would have just been like, heresy, I'm running away from this kind of stuff. But basically, our message is a message of love. Like, we follow Jesus. Here's how he was. Here's how I'm going to be to you. Uh, You are with us. I don't care if you don't believe that Jesus is God. You are with us. You can be a person of love as well. Let's spread the message of love. Let's, you know, all-inclusive, not, you know, trying to evangelize or anything like that, because all we want is to show people love, and and obviously he's a universalist and everything. But it's just crazy the sorts of things now that you see. Like, for let me give you one example. Jesus is in that house, and those dudes lower the... uh, the guy in his cot or whatever to get healed. And he looks at the dude's friend's faith and he says, Hey, your, your faith basically just healed. Uh, uh, just, just basically allowed me to forgive this guy's sins. And so it was really like, we just overlooked that. And that said, Wait Lazarus? A second. <clears throat> no, 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 no. This is when he was in a house and there were some friends that lowered their paralytic lowered friend down. down. And so, so they basically are wanting to heal him. So Jesus actually sees their faith and says, your sins are forgiven. So they didn't ask for forgiveness. This guy didn't say, I believe in you, Jesus, or anything. Jesus said, oh, wow, look at these faithful guys. Well, first thing I want to let them know is I'm here to forgive sins. I don't need to know what you believe, whether your theology is all good to go. 
I'm here to forgive sins. And uh, I don't know. It's Amen. Very, very Amen, Joey. Stuff. Honestly, that, that that's life-changing. You know what else is life-changing? Our guest that's coming on like right now. His name is Andy Minio. You think we, maybe we can get into some of that? He'll probably talk about some of his uh, reconstruction and deconstruction, his remodeling, if that's Remodel. okay. Is that, yeah, is he's that... he's actually just simply turned to Satan, though. His is no. not that complicated. Yeah, he no, just did a 180. Just... No. Yeah, I'm reconstructing deconstruction. I'm you are the renovating. Yeah. You're going to realize one day some landscaping. Hey, hey, eventually there's going to be like words for all sorts of stuff. Like, hey, I, I'm just doing some landscaping here. Well, yeah, what's that? Well, that's when you just starting to rethink yep. some different church setups. It's called landscaping nowadays. The, the Spencer's remodeled their uh, their faith out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I love Sherry's berries. All right, folks, as you know, this Valentine's Day, I'm going to be in Dallas uh, leading the BC Con, the Bad Christian Conference. So my wife's going to be here in Franklin, Tennessee, and I got to figure out something to do, and I, it, it's already been figured out. I'm choosing Sherry's berries. I'm sending her some of the best, wait a minute, the best uh, dipped strawberries, dipped in chocolate strawberries that you've ever eaten in your life. No joke. I am blown away by how huge these things are and how amazing they taste. You can never go wrong with their signature dipped Valentine strawberries. Seriously, Sherry's berries are dipped in milk, dark, or white chocolatey goodness for any discerning palate, and anyone will fall in love with every bite. It's topped with decadent toppings. I mean, this is amazing. Chocolate chips, heart and glitter sprinkles, Always fresh, always tasty, always worth the wait. Seriously, Valentine's is right around the corner. So order now. You, all you got to do is send your love the Valentine's gift of her or his dreams at the price of your dreams. The price of your dreams. Can you believe that? Starting at just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. Plus order now and make this Valentine's really special by adding a dozen red roses for just $19.99 more shipped to your share shipped with your Sherry's berries at no extra charge. So here's what I want you to do. Go to berries.com, click the microphone and enter our code uh, bad Christian at checkout. That's B E R R I E S.com. Click the microphone and enter code bad Christian. Order it today. You will not be sorry. I'm telling you love those berries. Thanks for coming on, Andy. We sure do appreciate it, man. We've been wanting you to come on for a long time. I'm glad it finally worked out. This is going to be pretty cool. Uh, My pleasure. I will say this. It's, it, okay, I'll just be totally honest. Joe, Joey is our uh, resident rap lover. Like he's he uh, has introduced me to more rap than I could have ever imagined. Uh, I grew you're up welcome, like, man. I grew up you're listening welcome. to like 50s and 60s soul, and then eventually found out there was you know rock music outside the radio and stuff. I didn't even know about music. Like the only rap I had ever even heard of was. Uh, like, you know, I guess Tupac or Biggie and my parents wouldn't let me listen to it. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any of that stuff, but as I got into it, I'll, uh, like I was saying, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, you know, I'd, I'd heard your name, but I didn't listen to much. And then I stumbled across the, uh, magic and bird album you did. And I, I promise you that I didn't take it out of my Spotify. Like I, I, every time I was doing anything, I listened to that at least for a month straight. Like I'd love that record, dude. In this and in this day and era, a month straight is like it might as well be an eternity. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, that, I mean, true. that's what I'm saying. I was kind of shocked when I looked at it. I was like, oh my gosh, it was in like my top albums on Spotify. Everything. I was like, man, this is really cool because 
I listen to that song, and I don't know if it's just the, the some of the sports going along with it, that you know, yeah, some yeah, of the, yeah, the yeah. sports themes or whatever. But it's such a, a good record to like run to, to listen to, to just get you know, just cruising in the car and stuff like that. And and so since then. I've been a, a fan, man. I went back and listened to earlier stuff, and and uh, and you even have your new EPs out now. Yeah, yeah, that's what we made Magic and Bird for, really. Um, it was a hyper focus to be a record that surrounded the things that one of the things that I really enjoy, which is you know sports, athletics, working out, taking care yeah. of yourself, and you know there's there's music for every setting, man. And I feel like this was one that I was trying to make that's like good, clean, fun for the barbecue and playing ball and right. You know, that's what the focus of it was. And it was the first time I've ever done like a hyper focused um, thematic project like that, where it's like, yeah. nah, we had some more records that actually didn't make it on there. And uh, they just were they were too other. And we were like, nope, all bangers, all high energy. <laughs> that's it, you know? So um, and shout out to Delgis Mustafa. He's the he's my manager and he's my co-creator. And <clears throat> he actually brain he was the brainchild of the whole marketing scheme behind it with like the terrible early 2000s oversized clothes and that's all you know what i mean i don't know if you saw the marketing and the rollout scheme for it but it was elaborate i mean we were we were selling cassette tapes oh i didn't know that oh dude we sold cassette tapes we had little packs of cards with me and john inside like collection packs of trading cards (laughs) like (laughs) mouthpieces in and just yeah, it, it was really so, deep. It was great. Well, I thought, yeah. Well, that was the first time I'd really heard you rapping, and I just love the the lyrics and the and the the witty lyrics too. Like some of the wordplay. I know uh, words play is the, is the guy that did it with you, but uh, I just thought it was just really interesting and neat. And and, and so that's why I love having you on here since I well, don't and, know that and, much. And, ahead, Andy's Drew. Andy's one of those guys too, where like there's sometimes you're listening to a rapper and. And you're seriously asking how how did they just say that? Like, I mean, not not all the rappers can do that, but like the stuff that you say, and when you start going super fast, I'm like, oh my gosh! I, I do want to say this just really because I'm a dad, and I'm gonna love telling uh, my daughter this, but my daughter knows Pisano's Wyland word for word. It's been her favorite song for like six years. <laughs> <laughs> she I don't know what it is with that song and kids. She, it, it's it's like a children's rap song or something. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know you know the story behind that record real quick. Yeah. Is I made that song as a complete joke. <laughs> what? I fre- literally, I freestyled the entire verse. That's that why when hilarious. you listen when you listen to it, it's like wow, wow, wow. I'm like mumbling. <laughs> Because I was making it up on the spot. Dude, I thought you were just so witty. <laughs> Literally, there's something to be said about this. This is like high art. Gosh, I just literally freestyled and just goofed off the whole record. And I sent it to my boy, Alex Medina, who was one of the co-producers on that song. And I sent it to him through iMessage just to mess with him. Like, yeah. yo, man, check out this fire verse I just wrote, you know? <laughs> and um, he was like, he gave me a call immediately. I picked up the phone. I was like, yo, what's up? He's like, yo, are you serious? And I was like, yo, I'm dead serious. Best verse I ever wrote in my life. And he was like, yo, that joint's fire. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. You know, to me, <laughs> that sounds like, uh, that sounds like to me, it's really cool uh, because I think it, it must be about the energy of it, right? Just the feel, the, you know, because when you're not thinking about the words and getting them perfect, you're improvising or just bringing the energy that you can feel. And yeah, so that's for, what people are connecting to, I think. Yeah, but for the and that's listener, why I think kids are connecting to it. 
yeah, because but- it's a very childlike, like primal, you know, thing that I was doing. It was very like improv. And I think kids have this ability to tap into purity and like simplicity in a way that we lose with, with age. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, well, and I think for uh, for a grown ass man like myself, who's been listening to rap for a long time, I'm listening to it already programmed to think, hey, these are lyrics that you uh, just melted over and turned around in your head and thought, what's the best way to say it? So I'm thinking everything's intentional. And I'm like, how did he just pull that off? That just sounds so raw and so witty. And now he came up with this, man. <laughs> um, I, I'll give like you another example of, of that, that that I've noticed on our last record we did. There, there's a song on there that is basically just a voice memo that Toby sent me for something. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, well, that's, I mean, he just showed me the idea, but he really put the emotive part into it. Like it, he, he made, it was a just terrible sounding thing, poorly played, not, no offense, but it was just a really loose thing. Nothing about it was polished, but he was trying to demonstrate how it was supposed to feel sad or somber. And I immediately got it. And so we just didn't even re-record it. We just put it on there like that. And then I made a guitar. I've been composing guitars. There's a guitar tip for anybody out there, but I've been composing guitar solos the same way. So I'll put, uh, just run the part, and I won't think of anything of what I'm going to play or what scale or whatever, and I just put my hands down on the guitar like I'm doing air guitar. And I just, if I knew what I was doing, I would play like this, and I'll play real fast or go up the neck, but the notes are garbage. And so I'll do that until I get like the way it feels. Hey, I'm curious, being a big uh, rap fan, how, uh, what's your connection to Fonte and Little Brother? Because uh, when I when I heard him rapping on your uh, EP, I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Two of my favorite rappers. Like, how 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 did you guys have that connection? Um, honestly, I just tweeted him. Yeah, that was it, man. I mean, I just was a fan, and again, shout out Delgis Mustafa. Yeah. Um, he was like, yo, we we had this record and I called it Donuts because it sounded very Jay Dilla and it was inspired by him and, you know, an ode to him in a lot of ways. And uh, as I was playing the record back, I was like, I don't know what to do with this, man. Like, yeah. add a chorus or whatever. And he was like, yo, you know what sound crazy on this is Fonte. So I yeah. just tweeted him. Uh, Fonte saw, he got back to me. We just traded numbers, started talking a little bit. And he was like, yo, I respect what you do. Like, you're dope. Let's do it. Yeah. And um it was as easy as that, man. Like I think real recognize real, you know, like yeah. if Absolutely. it's a great song and I don't know the guy or I may, might have only heard of him, but yeah. it's a dope record, I want to be a part of it, I'm jumping on it. That's cool. That's awesome. Do you, when you when you look back on, you know, the last uh 20 years or so or however long you've been making music, like have you do you feel like you are now in a uh, position artistically uh, intertwined with your faith or your life and all that stuff. You're, I think I'm stating the obvious, but you are approaching art like night and day differently than what you did 10 or 15 years ago. Am I correct? And you're getting flack for it. You're making people uncomfortable and all that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean I'm what, growing what, and evolving as a human. Yeah. And the way I see the world and the way I see art, the way I see God, you know what you should. I think if you're growing, that's that's the product of it. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you'd so, be absolutely right saying that. So, are are there a lot of like in the Christian hip hop industry? Do you get do you get flack from those guys or uh, women who are in the rap scene, music scene, 
people that you saw as your brothers and sisters, do you get it or is it mainly just frustrated, angry Twitter people? Um, I feel like I get passive aggressive, Yeah, passive aggression a lot. Um, people talk about me in their songs or in their interviews and things like that. And they don't say my name. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah really? Yeah. So you get that. You get like, yeah. Cause there's some guys out there who think right. this and do it. And you're like, <laughs> right. I might just be completely full of myself and think they're talking about me, but you know, there's not a lot of guys I don't, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of guys who are doing that, the, the same things that it, it would make sense. Yeah. They'd be talking. Well, totally, I'm just be totally full of myself, but for the most part, it seems to be love and respect and um, appreciation. I think that's a part of the maturity that's been happening in that community as well as like an appreciation for people expressing themselves differently. I think at one earlier point in time, there was like one voice one form of theology, one methodology, and everyone was like on ship with it. And if you broke from that, you were right. excommunicated or whatever, you know, yeah. hypothetically. But I think now there's like, oh, we know that there's guys who literally want to rap theology. Yeah. And then there's guys who might say, I'm never going to say the name Jesus directly in my music. I just want to create art from the heart that's from the church, not for the church. And then there's some guys who are, you know, are like, I'll say it if it's truly inspiring to me, yeah. you know? And then there's some guys who are like, I don't have a problem with swearing. So I'm going to yeah. put that in my music and, and singles and people uh, doing their own thing. And I think now people are starting to come around to being like, it's cool, man. Like whatever your convictions are, you got to answer to God, not to me. Yeah. Well, I it even seems saw- like just, sorry, Joy, I was going to say Matt and I are in a band called Emory and it seems like the world is opening up a little bit more to, to, uh, if there's truth in your art that you're creating and your music you're creating, then then that's more real than just trying to present a message that that for fans or something like that. Like that that's the thing that I found. I I would rather talk about uh, either my faith in God or my lack of faith in God sometimes or whatever I'm going through, the mistakes I've made, the the, the triumphs that I've lived through, or whatever. I want to talk about all those things in a real way because that has to be what real art is. Otherwise, you're not making real art, and that and that would wouldn't even be honoring to God to me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, if I'm if, if I'm creating songs, there has to be some with with music. I feel like it, it is a spiritual experience in a way. It's this thing that I'm listening to and causing emotion. And if I'm if I'm not creating something real and being honest, then why would you want to listen to it anyway? Why would you prefer me to say the name Jesus three times and that's enough for you? Even though, what does it actually mean? What do you what does it mean? You know? Yeah, it, I think that's probably more despicable. Is like creating something to feed an industry. Than right. to be honest, because I feel like music is a place for honesty, and if it's so you, not that, I don't know. I don't know what else we're we're doing, you know. Besides fulfilling the needs of our people yeah. through a, a means of an industry, you know. What's up, guys? Y'all heard me uh, be heckled here on this podcast for loving memories. And I really do love memories. And so I really love Legacy Box. My dad cleared through a bunch of our family albums that I used to go through as a kid. Actually, as an adult, when I would go home, I'd I'd, uh, look through those things. It just brought so many memories. And my dad cleared through a lot of them and kept the ones that he wanted and gave me like these two huge bags of 
pictures. And I'm like, good gosh. But then it hit me. Hey, I can pick the ones that I want. And then instead of just having them around, because I don't want to take the time to put them in a photo album, but I do want them to be safe. I sent them off to Legacy Box. I'm telling you, it was just the neatest little system of putting them in the box that they send you, using the labels that they send you, sending them off and they send it right on back. They give you uh, a, a digital a little hard drive to put in your computer and just get all of those pictures. It's just such a beautiful thing to see all that stuff be saved. Yeah, peace of mind, a sense of accomplishment, man. You got that stuff on on lockdown. And uh, man, you ensure that your family history is preserved forever. So send stuff to Legacy Box, get it back, and then take a trip down memory lane. So Legacy Box has, it's the world's largest, most trusted uh, digitizer of home videos, home movies, and photos. Over 450,000 families have trusted Legacy Box. I'm one of them. Over a decade of experience, all the work is done by hand right here in the USA. There's never been a better time to digitally preserve your memories, everybody. Visit LegacyBox.com today to get started. Plus, for a limited time, they're offering Bad Christian listeners an exclusive discount. So go to LegacyBox.com slash Bad Christian. You get 40% off your first order. That's like freaking almost half off, man. 40% off your first order. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Bad Christian and save 40% off today. Get started preserving your past. You talk uh, uh, about this in some of your most recent material. Uh, art, does that stuff hurt your feelings, bother you, make you angry, uh, or is just interesting to engage with? I mean, what what is your kind of gut reaction to being misunderstood? It hurts my feelings, you know, when yeah. you're misunderstood. I think that uh, one of the, the key things to like a good artist is that they're in touch with their emotions that they have an ability to tap into feelings and things that are happening on inside of them. And I've, a lot of times the, the emotions that we put forth or the honesty or the things we dig inside of ourselves to find end up becoming for other people, us teaching other people how to have feelings. Yeah. That's why lyrics end up becoming for a lot of people like, oh, you want to know how I feel? I quote this lyric. Because the, mm-hmm. this other person did the, the job of feeling and having emotions, and you can just now relate to that and say, oh, yeah, that's how, that is how I feel. So for me, I feel like artists particularly are even more sensitive and even more in touch with their feelings because you have to be in order to pull from real things to put it in your music, if that's the type of music you make, which is what I do. Yeah. So when, I, when I'm misunderstood, like if I'm 100% honest, it hurts. Yeah. You know, especially yeah. when you feel like your intentions are are good, you know, and um, it hurts to be misunderstood. But that's I think that's part of the package that comes along with being an artist is being misunderstood yeah. and knowing that if you're going to make art that isn't just obvious and clear cut and give you the ABC, the answer, then there's definitely going to be room to be misunderstood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and the last part of that is I think the artists who are able to strive and continue to be successful and kill it are the ones who are able to deal with those mental pressures once they come and continue to create art through it in really like good and honest ways. I think the hardest part about success is success. Like how do you continue to do what you were doing 
when all of a sudden there's something to lose and there's a lot of lot at stake and a lot of jobs and employment and um, all that going on at the same time. Uh, that's the, been the biggest tension for me. How do I keep this thing going, uh, enduring all of the pressure and the stress and the criticism and praise? And still being yep. able to put together really high level art, you know, because it's not just you now, too. Now, like you, you already said that team, people, employees, manager, like you know, there's other people involved. It's not just I'm going to go try and make it or right. me and my band or whatever. It and now there's you know, not to mention families and dependents and your own financial security and the older you get. So, you yeah, know, absolutely. a lot to lose is is definitely a unique thing that you know, it's hard to get anywhere when you're focused on that. Yeah, and that pressure is a killer for creativity for a lot of people. You know, when I'm like just free and having fun and chilling and uh, I'm making great music, when I'm like under the pressure of like, turn it in now, I'm not like, uh, I'm not like free to have creative thoughts as, as easy as I am when I'm not having that pressure. Mm-hmm. Man. So, well, Andy, you, you said, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead, Matt. I was going to say, you know, before, you know, Joey noted that you are in a different place than you were 10 and 15 years ago. And, uh, you know, we're all in this kind of, I don't know what you call it, Christian dark web of stuff. I know we have a lot of the same friends at King's Kaleidoscope and the different people we're involved with. Tim from Under Oath has been working with you for a while and, and stuff like that. I'm curious if you consider yourself somebody who's actually changed a lot on what you believe or if you consider yourself have, have participated in what you would call deconstruction or if you have a different word for it. Um, but what is the is there a difference fundamentally in you, not just the way you make your art over this period of time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I was saying at the beginning, man, just as you grow as a human, your thoughts on so many things evolve, you know, thoughts on God, life, money, relationships, how to make music, the things that you like, you know, I mean, just the other day I was on, uh, we have this roast, we have a, a, a group text with all the guys from uh, my church and every Thanksgiving, we do a Thanksgiving roast. We go on everybody's <laughs> Facebook pages and we make memes of each other and just completely destroy each other every Thanksgiving. It's great. So as I was going through some of these old pictures, you know, I was finding stuff from like 2011 and I'm like, what possessed me to think wearing that, that wearing that sweater was dope, (laughs) you know, or like my jeans like that or wearing that much leather, you know, it just (laughs) different things. You're like, wow, I can't believe how different I am. But at the time you have no idea that that's kind of tacky or whatever, but over time it just evolves and changes. I think you particularly through your 20s and hopefully beyond that, people start to find out what their true voice is, who they really are, and they start to shed the the false self that they have. It's like Richard Rohr would say, <clears throat> like, you start to shed your false self and start to find more of your voice and what you really believe and not just not just like the team because your big brother liked the team, but you find the team that you finally like. You know, right? And well, fellas, he's reading Roar. It's all over. Yep, Go he ahead, dropped Andy. the Richard Roar reference, so we know where he is. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm out. Oh man, that's who I'm you reading to. I'm Richard out, Roar bro. book. But you, if out. you finish it, if you start a Richard Roar book, you're fine. But if you finish it, like it, and then recommend it, you're out. <laughs> oh, well, I just if you check my Instagram, I just uh, I'm trying to do two books a month. 
And so I'm on my second book this month and I screenshotted that I was reading that. I bet you my DMs are out of control. <laughs> hey, his, uh, his, following, his following upward is probably the best book I ever wrote. And he at least Red. says that he's coming on the podcast this year or his office says. So I'm crossing my fingers because there's so many things I want to ask him. But you got to read that book. It's really good. That's literally what I'm reading right now. That's what I screenshot really? today. Yeah. Sweet. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, but I, I think he does really good job of helping people navigate the nuance of faith. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things he's nuance of faith, because I think black and white faith is the easiest thing to participate in really clear cut lines. There's not really gray areas. It's, you know, you're wrong. I'm right. Uh, we're on the same team. If we can have, if you can uh, agree on all these points here and le- very little room for unity. One of my um, mentors, uh, Mike, He's just told me, like, man, the two things that eat away at each other are unity and purity. And Jesus calls us to have both of those things. But inevitably, those who want to have uh, unity will oftentimes sacrifice purity. Or uh, what I mean by purity is like tightness of doctrine or belief, right? And then a lot of the people who want to be really pure and have their purity and their belief in what they uh, hold to oftentimes have to give up on unity because you can only have unity with the people who believe the exact same thing you do. And so they eat away at each other. And I think the older I get, the more I'm realizing, like, there's a lot more um, unifying ground with people, um, you know, that might not believe everything that I believe. And I'm okay to walk in that tension. Um, <clears throat> where I remember when I was coming up in like 2008, 2009, just learning a lot about uh, Christianity and being interested in it. There was like a list of guys on a like do not read or listen to or talk to list. You know, it was yeah. like, oh, man, T.D. Jakes, <laughs> if you ever listen to anything from this guy, you're basically apostate. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's just a list of guys. And <laughs> then I finally met these people, hung out with them and talked with them. And I was like, wow, great humans. I think yeah. I could learn a lot from them. Right. I wish I didn't totally uh, dismiss you because, you know, some guy I was listening to at the time had a a bone out for you and then, oh it's just danger we don't want anybody misled and you're like right that's a really really low view of humans and their ability to navigate information well i mean to that, have the holy spirit if that's, if that's real that they would have no sense of uh how to navigate other teachings so, you know? yes <clears throat> yeah and, and it's, it's that right there that eliminated the possibility for me to keep going how, how i was going because we kept on this podcast, I mean, like we've been doing this podcast for four or five years and we are totally different people. That wasn't the plan. It just so happened and people are hearing us change. And I remember talking to guys like uh, uh, McLaren and uh, Paul, it's Paul Young, right? The author of The Shack, yeah. am I saying his name right? And yep. I'm like, these guys have been seeking God more honestly, more vigorously than me for like three times the amount that I have been, I can tell all they're after is the truth. And they're coming up with some things that I was taught it was heresy. And I'm like, that just doesn't make sense. They're people, they're being honest, they're doing the best they can. And I'm supposed to ignore it because it doesn't fit in the little box that I was given since I was five years old. Well, uh, why uh, they seem smart that guy seems nice he seems like he just wants to understand you know i mean i i couldn't do it anymore i was like these are people 
also that seemed to be very smart. And, uh, you know, now I don't know, fortunately or unfortunately, I kind of see these people as a little further progressed. Now, not smarter, uh, but I really do believe that they have been given revelation in a in a very intentional time. And I'm not sure if everybody's supposed to have it right now, but that's me getting all spiritual. Sure. Now, nah, I feel you, man. I think that's been part of the deconstruction for me. And my faith is you take everything that you've learned. And then at one point when you hold it up to a light and you say, you know, is this still true for me? Yeah. And that's where the deconstruction happens is you're like, let me. Let me see if this Jenga puzzle will stay together if I pull these pieces out, you know, and let me um, let me let me question, you know, what I've been taught. And I think anything that's healthy should do that. Mm-hmm. There should come a time in your marriage after 10 years where you go, why am I with this person? What made me fall in love with them in the beginning? What are the things that I really value about them? And how do I ensure that the rhythms that we have aren't just out of tradition, but they're actually out of a place of thoughtfulness and heart and feeling? And, um, you know, that's what's been happening. And I <clears throat> I think what was really scary for me, which is what my first EP, The Arrow, was about, was it's an arrow going through a cloud in the artwork. And it's half above the cloud and it's half below the cloud. And the song Clarity, that's the opening song on there, is all about that. Like, I'm going through doubts right now and doubting the things that I was taught. And I, like, all I'm asking for is clarity, God, because the people that I looked up to, I found out they were frauds. All right. of my heroes are frauds, just like me. Yeah. And so all I want is clarity. That's the, that's the record. And... It's in that phase. I don't think people who are Christians and make music are ever usually honest about that stuff. It's just like, how do I deliver a song that shows my unending love for God and my <laughs> devotion to him? Right. And everyone knows that I'm like tight. And I'm like, that's such that's pretty played out and it's not very interesting and it's not very honest. And so the arrow was all about my doubts. The tagline for the whole project is I hope I get the benefit of the doubt. You know, wordplay, like yeah. the benefits yeah. of, of my <clears throat> doubted. That is some 
Oh my goodness, good stuff. All right, so you were just listening to Less Than an Exit. It's a new song from a new solid state band called The Drowned God. Their debut solid state album came out the 25th of January and it's called I'll Always Be the Same. So if you're into bands like Pianos Become the Teeth, Def Haven, and Norma Jean, this is a band that you're definitely going to want to check out. Uh, they're from Philly. Uh, they have another great album that came out in 2017 called Moonbearer. So head over to iTunes and buy this new album. I'll always be the same. Or head over to Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you stream your music and listen to the record in full now. So uh, Spotify and Apple Music also make sure to follow their profile so you don't miss any news or music. So two albums, the brand new The Drowned God. And the 2017 release, I'll Always Be the Same. They're both out now. Go dig it. This band is awesome. Sorry, I'm rambling, but I like no, that. I, I, like I think that. deconstruction gets a, kind of a bad name. The more I think about it, like right now, it's kind of easy to say, "Oh, deconstruction, boo, just being negative or cynical <laughs> or skeptical." I and I get that, and that is true. I mean, it's a lazy thing to just throw stuff out because, "Oh, you're a grown up now" or something. I get that, but the way you're saying it, there's why you know the way you put it. I thought was really good, and it makes me question: Do you, if you could go back, do you do you think we're over constructed in the first place? So is so, you know like maybe we're overbuilding the thing, and so yeah, it requires some work to get you know go in and clear out some walls to open up the damn living room or something. Like we're talking to deconstruction, but it's because we're overbuilt a thing. We over. Prodded and guarded people and told them not to and, and indoctrinated them all this stuff. So I'm questioning now, you know, should we be teaching people less on purpose or not? Yeah. Well, let me use an analogy for you. That's uh, one of my mentors, Jason Gabriel and his wife, Sophia Gabriel, what they helped me understand. And this is where it really opened it up for me. As they said, Andy, faith is a lot more gray than it is black and white. And they said the same way that people have spiritual uh, or age and maturity is there's age and maturity in your spiritual life. And she, he said, here's an example. I tell my three-year-old daughter, never touch the stove. Never, ever, 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 ever touch the stove. You have to beat that into their brain to never touch the stove because they have no ability to understand the nuances of how it works and they're going to hurt or kill themselves. Mm-hmm. And so even all the way up to the age of about 12, don't touch the stove. It's not for you. And at around that age, you say, you know what? I think this person has matured and grown enough. Let me show you. This is how you turn on the stove. 
And now all of a sudden you're going, what? You told me never touch the stove. <laughs> no, now I'm telling you, you didn't, you weren't able to understand then that I was going to have a time when I was going to teach you how to turn the stove on. But now I'm going to teach you how to turn the stove on and be careful about it. And then with more time, you show them, now I'm going to show you how to cook. And now you're using, you're, you're actually going against the very things that at first you needed to be safe just to grow, to yeah. grow up. And so I feel like it's a much more complex thing where we need to let people know that there's a certain time and place and spiritual maturity for certain bits of information and living out of those truths where there was a time when I needed to burn every secular CD I owned, right? <laughs> Quote unquote secular CD. I had to. And I think it was a lot of it was peer pressure and weird theology that didn't help me understand the nuances of how to navigate art or music. But I think it was good for me at that time. It was faithful for me to be like, I need to just get all of this influence out of my system and focus on the Lord. I think that was great. Richard Rohrers are, are but the now, ones that come along. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Say what? I was saying people like Richard Rohr are the ones that come along and let us off the hook and say, no, we can use the stove now. And a lot of us got left on the hook. Like nobody ever told us you can use it. But right. how you look, how you look as a 30 year old man, not using a stove, right? <laughs> right. You're like, yo, the information don't work right now. And, and that information is what a lot of people hold on. They hold on to this black and white thing their entire life. And now all of a sudden you're 50 years old. Like I, I refuse to use a swear word because you know, I'm, it's like, bro, right. where you're, you're on spiritual milk in a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? But you're yeah. a grown ass man. All right. So how does that work out? And then all of a sudden people go, oh, this thing doesn't fit my life. I'm punting it. Now I'm not even a Christian anymore because right. that stupidity doesn't fit my life. And you're like, no, it wasn't meant to be that way the wow. whole time. It's supposed yeah. to evolve right. and grow with you. I was going to say something to that. I think you're exactly right. I've, I've had this thought forever. I think one of the biggest problems within the church is the church system is set up to almost keep you in elementary school. And then when, you do, are you, when you're trying to graduate to that next level when you can handle it, then there's a bunch of fear based around, no, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there, because the people that I see in the elementary level of like, oh, this is what God is and that's it, I don't see the joy of God in them. I don't see uh, the growth in them. All I see is a stale faith that does not actually influence the world. And you're right. When, when, when you get to a certain state, it's not that you go off to college and everybody's so smart that you forget about God. It's just these people go, let's think about ideas. You're, how about I present an idea and then you now at, at the age – decide, really think about it, be on the journey. I, I don't think a lot of times the church, the church gets very scared of people being on, on journeys when the goal for me is like, it doesn't matter. Like I, I believe in Jesus. I'm just, I just do it. It's something I'm not trying to prove Jesus. What I'm trying to prove is like, what, what is the right way? What is good? I'm, I'm not, I don't need, I, I'm fine with the Bible telling me Jesus was real. I'm fine. I don't have to prove that to anybody in the world. What I want to prove is this journey of like, Hey, what is the right way to live? What, what does it mean to love? What, like you said with your wife or whatever, am I just doing things because of tradition or am I doing it because it's real and it's in my heart and I, and I want to do it. And it, it is the right thing to do that, that. That's really valuable. I think for far too long, the church has been kind of nervous about that because you, they don't, in a sense, I'm talking about big, big C church, you lose control. And then, you know, but the net, you never have control anyway. The, the high priest is Jesus and that's it anyway. So no need to be a scared because God will lead. If God's real and Jesus is real, it'll lead you to the truth. Sorry. Yeah, Joey but see that, 
but well, I mean, it's it's it worked out nicely, man, because you brought up exactly what I was thinking. Oh. Though the the problem with that, though, Toby, is that that where I was at with that rationale was no, I have a responsibility to have faith, and so if 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 I'm start going off the 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 beaten path, then there's a possibility that I'm allowing myself to be led astray, or I'm being rebellious, and so. I didn't have the ability to eliminate that fear. I just couldn't because, I mean, when, so this time 10 years ago, when a thought came up that challenged everything, I had to resist it because I was like, oh, I can't, I can't go that way because I can't think about possibly going to hell. I know, so but that's just, because the church told you that, right? Yes. The church told you don't get off the path. That's all I'm yes. saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying, saying I, I was definitely Yeah, fearful. exactly, Andy. Yeah, you can't let them like stir in your brain. Yeah. yeah, and it's and there's a there's a there's a culture around questioning that is very discouraged in a lot of ways. I think if there was more like open invitation to questions and deep thinking, I think there would be a far better result. And so one of the things that I got kind of trained under was I was going to Redeemer for a while when I was in college, and that's when I became friends with Mike uh, Keller, Tim's son. And uh, Abe Cho, they were leading a thing called, um, it was called like City to City, or what was it called? Campus Ministry, something like that. The whole idea was all we do is we meet, give kids pizza and burritos, you know, whatever, like college students, meet them where they're at. So they flock and show up. And then they go over a, a question. And it was a deep question. And they, it would be like, does God hate gay people? Does God send everyone to hell? Whatever it was. And, yo, we were stuffing our faces with delicious food (laughs) and having, like, these walkthroughs. And it was with all kinds of people, Hindu, Muslim, you know, kids who grew up in church, guys who were just kind of skeptics. And there was a very welcoming attitude towards all questions and ideas. And it, it gave me this comfort in the tension that you'd have somebody raise their hand and just drop a bomb. Like, damn, I never even thought of that. And it, the space made it normal and okay to engage with that stuff. And then for the people in the front, the people who are leading it to be like, yo, here's a thought on it you may have never thought of before. Or, wow, that's a great question. I don't know. And it it made lack of um, – it made like the, the unknown a little more safe. And I think once you start having more comfort in that, like, I might not know all the answers. There might not be an answer yeah. for everything. Or – things that I haven't thought of, you start to realize it won't kill you. You start to realize <laughs> it's not the end of your world. It's just a tension point, the way everything has tension points. Like I walk around every day, you know, you heard this one before, but like believing that gravity is going to show up. I don't have to prove it. You know, that when I get up out of bed and I'm like, is gravity still working? Like I trust I'm going to sit in this chair. I sat in to do this interview. And I'm trusting it's going to hold me up. There's basic things you just trust in. As you go throughout life, even though you can't prove all of it, and I, and it made it okay, it made the questions okay. This is a lyric I put in there. The opposite of faith is in doubt. It's when I got it all figured out. Mm. Yeah. The opposite of faith yeah. isn't doubt and questioning. It's fundamentalism. The opposite yeah. of faith is when That's you go, good, I have everything under control. I get it. I know where everything goes. I got little boxes for it all. I got answers for all your questions. I got all my apologetics in order. Then you don't even need faith. We know that faith is is the substance of things unseen, right? The hope for it, the substance of things unseen. It's like 
you have to trust to a degree when you can't see. And if we didn't have that aspect to our journey, it wouldn't even be faith. And I don't even think it'd be beautiful. Yeah. Hey, we've been talking forever, man. Uh, dude, yeah. thank you so much for being on here. We really appreciate it. We'd love to have you back anytime. And, and so tell everybody the EPs where they can get them. Uh, what's going on in your world? You touring anything? Yeah. I just got off of a tour, uh, with me and Lecrae. It was the better late than ever tour. It was a nice. blast. Um, but I'm probably going to go back out in the spring and do something similar. Shh, announcements on the way. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> Maybe on January 16, 116. Okay. Um, <laughs> I also have two EPs out, The Arrow and The Sword. And they are, uh, yeah, they're part of a story that I've been rolling out in a really cool way. Yeah, they're works of art. It's it's not your stereotypical straight up rap album. I mean, it, it, how's it working with that Chad Garner, though? Man, he's brilliant, isn't he? He's brilliant. He's yeah. Really brilliant. And who reached out to who? Like, who, who sought out who? I can't even remember, honestly. I think we were just mutual fans of each other. Yeah. I actually yeah. here so here's a little uh sidebar. I pretty much hate um worship music. So I don't listen to it at all and it's really hard for me to get into it. And you read Richard Roy, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. So, I hate it too. <laughs> so I just I'm not into it. It's not my thing. But there are a few things uh, really random in this life that I've been like, wow, this worship music is incredible and one of them was his um thing he did when he was over there at uh uh, uh mars hill, mars hill. Uh, yeah. it was king's kaleidoscope it was like a it was like a project of hymns and it was like the hymns the lyrics were good and then there was like all this music and creativity i was like oh my gosh this is actually good music and so in like my darkest times of being like god i have no music to listen to that i feel like it's feeding my soul directly yeah. in like worshipful lyrics and stuff. That was like one project that I gripped onto was their ASAP's arrow or something like that. Yeah. So it was a, some, some project with them. So I was a huge fan. And then, uh, I think he was a fan of mine, found my stuff. We connected and, and I, um, I swindled him into spending a couple weekends with me in uh, the Pacific Northwest to work on these projects. So he's a, Awesome. He's an executive producer, co-producer on these two projects, the arrow and the sword. And, um, it's, uh, it's a, they're really things that I'm proud of, man. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. it's remarkable. It really is. Those are pieces of art and I, uh, love them. Uh, just good stuff. Yeah. Man. The, the growth in your, in your rap skills and, and music and art, man, is just, it's really neat to see now that I, I know you and it, it can see, I'm kind of, it's kind of cool for me because I get to go back and listen to that and hear the new stuff. It's just phenomenal. It really is, uh, uh emotional sometimes and also witty and funny. I mean, just all of it's just, it's just really neat. So once again, thank you so much, Andy, for being on the show, man. We'd love to have you back whenever. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, dude. Thanks guys. I appreciate the- what you do. I think it's important, man, that there's another space for people to process how they think and feel about faith and in a safe place you know what i mean to have unsafe questions so grateful for what you guys do and and i hope you guys continue to do it and serve a lot of people through it man thanks for having me thank you man hey we can tell that mother nature's hand is on your shoulder through all this stuff man it's not even a good job i don't even know i don't even know terrible all right thanks andy we appreciate it man for sure. Much love. See ya. All right. Andy Minio. You know what? I meant to ask him. Is it Minio or Minio? Do y'all know? I believe that's Minio. Minio. That's what I thought. But yeah. I yeah. I heard somebody say it's probably I don't even want to say who it was. Say Minio. So Toby, <laughs> I dumb idiot. Toby, I agree that that 
I agree that that last joke was not a good joke. So yeah. are we both in an agreement that that was a complete fake laugh and he's a fake person? Yes. I mean, for yeah. sure. Well, no, he he's not a fake. No, he's, he's, not joke, a fake he's, per- totally he's not a fake person. He's a super <laughs> nice person that just tried. Like, he, yeah, I mean, right. you, yeah, you went... You you went uh, made it some joke and it was weird because I was I, I I didn't know if like you were fanboying or like you got real goofy and you kept making Richard Rohr jokes and then the mother like what's he supposed to do like he, he, I mean, you there's no out for him he can't go no man I I, I don't care about Richard Rohr I'm not I, I'm not that I'm not way out there Christian I just I just have some thoughts that's all he's no, saying Joey's on to something. You went as far he, as you possibly could go with him. And so all he can do is laugh and go, yeah, man. All right. I got to go. See you. <laughs> no. <laughs> and that last one I was like, like, Joey's he's approach, like I'm going to give him a big laugh so he gets what he wants and he's quiet. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, That's he why did. I think Joey's approach is really good because think about this. I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to just walk around everywhere when I meet new people and just tell the most horrific jokes possible that I know for <laughs> sure aren't funny. Then I'll know who the fake motherfuckers are out there. Right. <laughs> if they laugh i'll never talk to him again because <laughs> i know that wasn't funny <laughs> that's good that's good all right well hey uh we're gonna wrap things up here and we want to uh give some props to our bc club you guys are just a riot it's gonna be so much fun hanging out with y'all at the bc con oh, i cannot wait for that bc con my yeah, friends. good many of you will be there and we are looking forward to the concert hanging out with you guys the dance the drinks the speakers and and all of that so uh bc club folks they went to the bc and signed up and now they get some extra episodes uh access to our private Facebook page where a lot of friendships and marriages have come together. Have any marriages marriages fallen apart yet? Mm -hmm. Or do we have a divorce rate in the BC club? I don't think so. I think we have two marriages and no divorces yet. All right. All right. But one, one divorce would shatter our people. People. Real problem. You mean people that met in the BC club, got married and divorced. We definitely have people that got divorced that are in right. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Totally. I'm talking about out of the two people that have met and gotten married, I think there's like two couples. I'm saying right now we're 100% matchmaker. But if one right. fails, we're not, we're we got 50. a bad grade. Yeah. God. 50%. Yep. yep. Ugh. All right. Thank you guys so much. Joe, you got any like slamming killer jokes right now? Like right now at the top of your head, what you know it's not even going to be funny or anything, but what would you say like to, to get a, to make us feel horrible? Um, I just saw my wife having sex with somebody and then she died. (laughs) (laughs) Why couldn't you do that to Andy? Yeah, why couldn't you you guys save all the great jokes for us and not our (laughs) guests? He would have loved it. (laughs) All right. Hey, BC clubbers that have (laughs) that have recently joined. We want to thank you specifically, and here is one of your perks, is to hear your name on the biggest and baddest podcast in town. In the world. Dana or Dana Loween or Lowen, Jacqueline Lopez. Dana Loween. (laughs) Dana Loween? Yeah, L-O-E-W-E-N. How do you say it? Lowen? Yeah, like okay. D- Dana Lowen, which is what any other well, human on Earth I would say. I saw two E's at first, but then I had this to focus my old-ass eyes, and then I, I realized it was one E, okay? That's the truth. Matt okay. Ellis, Evan Ballard, Vincent Mariano, Christopher Hancock, Sean Hughes, Joseph Pacheco, 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 Devon. You say Pacheco, I say Devon Pacheco. or Devin 
Bice, B B C. I would say Bice, Bice, Devin, B I S E. Aaron, Devin. motherfucking Graves. Yeah, these people are doing this just so they can hear me say the f word. That's yep. all they're doing that for. They're going Ken to hell Powell, for it. Brock Fick, Steve Cowley, yep. Tommy Cowley? H. Cowley? Jürgen the Third, Tyson Motzenberger, <laughs> <laughs> Travis Mook, Thomas Battle. David Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, Mike Spooner, Samuel Stuckless. We love you guys. Wow, we love you so much. Go in peace and let God give you millions. (laughs) 